State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. The brother Black Thought. Welcome back. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How you feeling? Legendary Black Thought. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. I feel great this morning, man. You put out an amazing book. Thank you, brother. Called The Upcycled Self. Upcycled Self. Upcycled Self. Upcycled Self. Upcycled Self. Yes, sir. What does that title mean? Um, you know, essentially, it's about you know putting those parts of our of our of ourselves of our of our past, you know, what I'm saying that are no longer going to serve us or no longer going to serve us in the same mm-hmm. way to uh, to a different use, you know, what I'm saying to uh, a better use, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what it's about, really. It's a it's a, mm-hmm. a self help memoir of sorts. Yeah, the art of becoming know? who we are. I always yes, wonder yes, why did it take us. So long to discover who we actually are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's a it's a, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's it's valleys and peaks, and I think it's a, you know, you 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 arrive at an understanding of who you are, you know, uh, over time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really no shortcut. You know what I'm saying? It's a, nah, it's a lot of people that that think you can go from, from you know a a to z. But you gotta you gotta go B C D E F G first. Mm-hmm. You know That's what right. I mean? Yeah, 
And, and, and it teaches you, too, that, you know, uh, everything is parallel. Like, there's really nothing behind you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and this book is about that, too. It's about, you know, accepting uh, the present. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, living, uh, being more intentional about about your presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with it. Did you get a chance to, to deal with all the trauma before you put it in this book? Or was it some of it was releasing that trauma by writing this book. Yeah, a lot of the trauma um you know it was it was addressed in during the process, you know, and that's that's what made it, you know, just a, it, like this was my therapy. It was really a, you know, a cathartic sort of experience. Um and more so than I'd expected. I mean, you know, you know your your history, right? right but when it's laid out there, you know what I mean, when you have it on on the cue cards and you know what I mean and you're reading it uh uh you know, in a linear sort of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just hits different, man. It hits, it hits differently. And there was something that uh, my co-author Jasmine Martin was able to uh, to employ, um, like a tool she was able to use during this process. That um, you know, it just it really hit me hard when I was reading one of the final drafts of the book. And it was um, you know, she was able to to speak. As, a, as a, there's an aside section where you hear. Uh, you know, um, my mother, like you hear mm-hmm. uh, my, my mother's perspective Oof. and uh, the way she was able to, uh, you know, just to approximate my mother's perspective and her voice. Mm-hmm. That's what really, really hit me hard um, in the process. You know? Did you ever, did you ever question your faith as a kid growing up? Because you talk about so much death in your life and yeah. all the stuff that you've been through. Did you ever say, you know what? Does this really exist? Is there really a, a, a God or whoever you believe? Did you ever question your faith at all? Um, I did, yeah. There's definitely been times, you know, when uh, you, I've, I've questioned my, my faith, uh, you know, or I mean, just the, on the existential tip, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, know, if if there's a God, you know, how could all of this, you know, loss and trauma and 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 and, and death, uh, you know, exist? It's some some of the stuff that I write about. Why, how how was the world this ugly if you made it in your image? Man. You know what I'm saying? That's one of my bars from a song called Dear God. But um. Yeah, to answer your question, definitely. How did you get that back? And the reason I ask is, if you don't know, when you read the book, you'll find out that you lost your father at a young age. You lost yeah. your mom at a young age as well. Yeah. Both Mur- of them murdered. Yeah, yeah, murder victims. So how did you get that faith back? Um, through the arts, through the arts, man. Like for me, it was uh, it's, it's it was it was visual art, which was my gateway, you know, into uh, music, and um, and that's that's what really saved my life. You know, what I'm saying it was a game changer. That I would have been on a, com- I was already on it. I was on that path. And you know me meeting Questlove when I did, which you know I talk about in the book, mm-hmm. um, and just getting on on that musical trajectory of of the arts is is what really saved me. Now, I know I know you was a, a, a baby when your your father was tragically murdered, but you mm-hmm. were a teenager when your your mother was. Were you able to process that pain in the moment, or was that something that you dealt with as you got older? Yeah, I think it's something that I'm still dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely was not able to process it in the moment. Um, you know, no matter no matter how hard I tried, right? You know, I wanted to feel all the emotion that that you you know you expect you would expect one to feel mm-hmm. um, when you experience that sort of loss. But I mean, for me, it was um, I mean, it took forever before I was even able to shed a tear about Damn. you know uh, my mother's murder. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think it's just because it was so many layers of of callus and and scar tissue to, to to sort of work through, and that's what that's what this book is about. It's about that armor. That you know, at one point in time, it might it might serve as a defense mechanism. It might you know protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we move through life and you get into different spaces, you start to interact with different people, and you know you're now you in these different dynamics. Um, they no longer serve us in the same way. 
What about vengeance and revenge? Like, how do you? I was thinking how that do too. You ultimately, let let that go. Um, I mean, it did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel. I definitely feel like I have. Um, it's uh, that's, that was just a wise move. I think I I definitely came to to to, to understand um, as a young person when I was still a teenager that uh, you know holding on to uh, to 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 negative energy in that way, um, you know, it's as 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 detrimental to you know, the beholder as it is to whoever you're trying to project it upon. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've never really sat with, uh, you know, the whole the vengeance in, in that way, you know what I mean? Um, as far, like, in the in, in my dad's case, uh, it was, it, it's still, a, it, it was never a, a solved murder. But in my mom's case, uh, you know, they, they, they apprehended someone shortly after, and, uh, you know, we went through the trial and everything, and, you know, he received the sentence. And then there was a mistrial of it all, and he was we had to sit through it again. So I sat through actually through my mother's murder trial twice. Damn. You know, and um, but in that, um, you know, once it once it was done, it was something that uh, I I had to let go of. You know what I mean? In order to for me to be able to move forward. So and you still had love for for Philly regardless of everything that happened. Yeah, yeah that I, that got to be tough too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have I have I absolutely have love. You know for. For Philadelphia, that's that's the place that made me. But you know, it's also it's one of those you know it can make you, it can break you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's the city of brotherly love. Um, that love has always been a tough love. You know, is there anything you learned about uh, your your parents writing this book that you previously didn't know, especially your father? Um, there's not much that I really learned about my father that you know hadn't already been you know told to me. Uh, but you know, one thing that I really had to deal with in writing this book was. I had to, uh, you know, just sit with the level of grace that my mother had extended to me as a young person. You know, I burned the house down at the age of six, which mm-hmm. is sort of where the book begins. And, um, you know, I, I I just knew I was in for it. I thought I was in trouble and, you know what I mean, um, just guilt. And, you know, all those feelings were sort of, uh, you know, bubbling, uh, you know, like run, running through my body. And my mom came home. Obviously, her only concern was, you know, if, if everybody was safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just you know the 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 grace that she extended at that time, and uh, it it was just really surprising, you know what I mean. Um, and it was a beautiful thing, and it just gave me a different sort of insight into who she was. And in retrospect, you know what I mean. Now, you know, as an adult, just to go back and and relive it, um, yeah, it just gave me a different take on uh, on my mother as a person, you know. And you did you understood the magnitude of what happened at the age of six? Um, I don't I don't know that I really understood the magnitude of what I knew I'd done something that you know. I mean, there was no turning back from, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was something that I couldn't undo. And uh, and it felt, you know, super serious. But I think in that moment, I just shut down. Like, that was my, you know, my, my knee-jerk response. My my reflex was I just shut down. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just I, I walked down the stairs. Like, it, there wasn't a fire upstairs, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, yeah, I guess it, it gives you a different insight, too, into your children, right? I was going like, to ask how you. How they move, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so, how, do you do you give that grace to your kids? Because you know, as a as a parent, yeah, you know, a lot of times when your kids do something, the first reaction is to get mad, to get yes. upset, and you, yeah. and you want to scold them so they don't do it again. But Absolutely. you got to go back to when you were six, yeah, and you did something way worse than I'm, than I'm sure any of your kids have ever done. Yeah. So, how, yeah. so how does that affect how you parent your kids? It it, it absolutely does, and uh, you know, it's something that I just have to remain mindful of. You know, because in the moment, it's not easy. You know, what I'm saying I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my son he. He did something like where he, I think he left the water running like for a long time up in one of the bathrooms. Long story short, whole like the ceiling of a whole room in my house wound up falling through, you know, and it was um you know, tens of thousands of dollars 
and damage and, you know, long insurance claim. And, you know, we were jacked up for a long time because of it. Um, but, yeah, you know, in that moment, it's like, yo, that's when I have to, you know, be mindful of that grace. But, you know, I, I definitely I got to catch myself because my, you know, I'm I'm also a disciplinarian, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Are you a disciplinarian like your like like uh, the, the the older people that raised us? Because I always wondered there was a fine line yeah. for what we received as yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. You know between, what I'm saying? Yeah, between discipline <laughs> and abuse. If you, if you grew a, up in 1970-something, right, boy, right, Lord have yeah, mercy. It's a, it's, it's a delicate balance, you know what I'm saying? Um, I've definitely, and you know, I think yeah, maybe now, if I've never been team spare the rod, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm more lenient now and more, you know, uh, I extend more grace now. Um, I'm more forgiving now, um, you know, than than ever, you know. What made you feel like now was the time to write a memoir? When somebody approaches you and they say, hey, we'd love for you to write a memoir, you know, you got to open up and yeah. probably reveal things you probably never revealed. What made you want to do it now? Um, just because, you know, uh, I was I was excited for that in, in the process, right? Mm-hmm. I was excited to, you know, like what that experience might hold for me. You know what I'm saying? Just being open, um, accessible, and vulnerable in a way that that I hadn't before in, in my art. You know, hip hop is 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 founded upon so much. You know, machismo mm-hmm. and braggadocio, and you know, just larger than life, winner takes all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know that sometimes um it, it gets exhausting. You know what I mean? You, you, when when you've done that, when you've had to put up, you know, such a you know. Oh, like a one-dimensional perspective of 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 yourself and of your art and of your identity, uh, you know, for such a long time. Sometimes it's uh, you know, I mean, they they say that about people who lie, right? You tell a lie for a long time, and mm-hmm. then it's like you know, when 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 the truth shall set you free, mm-hmm. right? So this is um this is that sort sort of thing playing out for me, and uh, I would meet fans who've been rocking with me for such a long time, and they would say. You know, for all the roots music that you know I've acquired, and mm-hmm. all your lyrics I know front to back, I still feel uh, as though I don't know, you know, Black Thought. I don't know Tariq Trotter as a person, mm-hmm. um, and that that's always been by design, just because of um, you know my introversion. So I felt like at this stage in, uh, of my career, you know, um, you know, in, in Act Three of of whatever it is that that I'm doing as a creative, you know, what I'm saying uh, I passed that threshold of fifty years. You know, so this is the the only place sort of left to go is is within myself as an artist. So this is sort of the the final frontier, and uh, it's something I've always held near and dear because I'm so private. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've I've been you know really uh, possessive and, and private with my story. But I feel like now at this point in time, um, and uh, you know, just with the, as many people who have followed me and who look up to me, and you know, the 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 idea of, of being a role model of it all, um, I think uh, this is the time in which it would it would be you know, of, of the most value and, and, and serve the, the most people. So so as an artist, the, the memoir unlocks something that music has. It. Uh, yeah, it has for me. Okay. It, it has for me. You know, I've been able to um, just tap into, you know, telling my story in, in, in a mm-hmm. different way. Mm-hmm. Now you talk about, uh, you know, when you were a teen getting in trouble for graffiti and yeah, yeah, getting, yeah. getting in trouble for selling drugs. And then they shipped you like what, what most black families do. If they can't control you, they ship right. you to another family right, member right. in another spot. So, <laughs> so they, they drop you in Detroit. Yeah, and during that time, Detroit was just as bad as, as Philly. So it was. So, so how how did uh, Detroit fix things if it did, or did it make it worse? Um, you know, for me, it's always been about perspective. So one of the ways in which you know Detroit was beneficial for me mm-hmm. was um, it wasn't Philly. You know, even though it was a lot of the same stuff taking place, and 
you know, it was, you know, murder capital, you know, at one point. And, um, yeah, all everything that was happening in Philly in the 80s was happening in Detroit, you know what I'm saying? And to some uh, degrees, uh, you know, it was worse. But, um, you know, my uncle was, you know, he was doing well for himself. He was sort of, you know, the Uncle Phil of it all. So for me coming from where I came from and the place I in Detroit where I got to stay, it was on the outskirts, it was in the suburbs, it was, you know, right next door to where Diana Ross's dad wow. lived. So I felt like I was the fresh prince up there. Moving on up. Yeah, so for me, you know, even though it was short-lived, just that glimpse of, you know, upward mobility, you know what I'm saying? It uh, it was a different type of fuel to the flame. It showed you that it was possible. Things it showed are possible. That it was possible, yeah. And, you know, when Quest and I were still together, like, throughout that whole thing, so it was a different motivation for me to get back to, you know what I'm saying, what I left and what we had already started working on. Mm-hmm. Was was Motown any influence, like being close to that? Um, you know, I think it's a, it's it's more uh, 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 the remnants of the Motown energy, like mm-hmm. that work ethic mm-hmm. of it all, the assembly line of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that was just uh, it's. I mean, it's still part of of Detroit. It's, it's it's woven into the fabric of the people there, and it's um. I think that's one of the things that makes you know cities like Detroit. Um, Chicago, mm-hmm. Oakland, you know what I'm saying? These are uh, si- sister cities, brother, brother cities to uh, to Philly in that way. I love this line, uh, our lives are, are a response to the call of our childhoods. Yeah. What does that line mean to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's about having having to go through it to get to it, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Why we know? always got to go through it? Why black people got to go through I, it? We're not the only ones that got to go That's through true. it. That's true. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. we're not the only ones that got to go through it, but... Um, yeah, I think that's 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 what it speaks to, you know. It's about um, a wisdom that mm-hmm. you know you can only arrive at. You know what I mean? Like it's it's about a journey to that wisdom, and sometimes it's about being wise enough to realize that uh, you know the journey is just gonna take you back to where you began. I love you reading know? memoirs now because I love to hear how people, you know, cope with you know their inner child. Because I do not know why the older you get, it feels like your inner child is crying out for more and more help, and especially when you do start doing the work when you yeah. do start going to therapy, sitting with spiritual leaders, you know, dealing with plant based, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like your inner child to start screaming out for help. Well, they talk about our emotional response to just things in the world and how, you know, the way we respond to things, you know, is something that we usually develop before the age of seven or eight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it requires a conscious effort, you know what I mean, in order to to train your body, to condition yourself, to to respond to the world, to respond to any sort of stimuli um, in a different way than you would as a child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, that, that's what they call you know the work. So this is mm-hmm. this is part of that. This is uh, this is me doing doing my work mm-hmm. to work through my shit, and it's and it's the beginning of it. This book is only you know this is uh this is me as a young person. This mm-hmm. uh by by the by the end of the book, I think I'm still I'm in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I was gonna ask with the, with the roots. When you guys created the Roots, when did y'all start making money? And the reason I ask is because it was new. Yeah. Like when 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 the Roots came out, it was something that hip hop hasn't seen on that platform or respected on that platform. Yeah. So when did the Roots finally break through and was like, nah, this is hip hop's band? I want to say um, around you know 2006 or so. And who was the characters during that time? Um, it was you know me, Quest, Kamal, mm-hmm. Leonard Hubbard on bass. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say uh, Frank Knuckles was playing percussion, mm-hmm. um, and Kirk, Captain Kirk on, on guitar. Mm-hmm. You know that was uh, that was sort of the crew. And I, also around that time, um, you know, Cody Chestnut was a reoccurring, you know, mm-hmm. all, basically a member of the Roots. And um, when he decided 
you know, to make a move and, you know, stop touring with us. He uh, essentially replaced himself with my with my brother Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. So we've always had, you know, someone, you know, just like a, a singer since the early 2000s uh, associated with, 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 with the group. Was it hard to always, you know, break into a market, sell it to a promoter? Because I just remember the roots so early on and just like, this is just so different. And sometimes in hip hop, different is hard to break through. It was very hard for us. It was, um, you know, super difficult to, uh, because we, we didn't really look or sound or feel like any, anything else that was, that was happening. So it was a lot of, uh, you know, we always had to prove ourselves. Right. And, um, and you know, I mean, it took so long for us to, to even break even financially. Um, and that's something that just came over time. Uh, you know, just paying those dues on the road, you know what I'm saying? Like you start at one point touring and then you're able to sort of get your stock up just through when you keep coming back, you know what I mean? So we were able to sort of build on, on, on that relevance. And it was wild. It was like when we finally hit a point, you know, Oh six, Oh seven, you know, where we felt like, yeah, you know, all of these years of, of 200 plus days on, on the road mm-hmm. started to pay off. That's when, uh, you know, there was a whole seismic shift in the way people started to receive, you know, people were receiving music and, you know, con- concert tickets and all that thing. It was, uh, you know, we went through a, a revolution with the, uh, you know, streaming and that whole thing. So, um, and then that's when uh, the Tonight Show opportunity presented itself. And that's what made it make sense. It was like, you know, we had just, reached finally reached a, a we hit a stride mm-hmm. and um and everything was changing you know so um yeah that that in that uncertainty uh uh you know the 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 consistency of of the day job and that platform that it would it would represent you know it, it looked really good was there a particular moment was it was it jay-z using y'all a lot or like was it a particular moment that caused that shift um you know when we started to make some bread yeah no, I mean, it well, was and, just, and get recognized by enough to where the Tonight Show is like, yo, I want that to be. Not, well, you know, yeah, and I think it was just over time, man. You know, we um, you know, we've been around for some. I mean, blessed enough to have been mm-hmm. around for such a long time that, you know, a, a good example is you know, there's a, a a festival that takes place in 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 uh, uh in Denmark in Copenhagen um, every year. It's called Ross Guild, and uh, you know, we started playing at Ross Guild. Um, before we were even, you know, allowed on the actual festival grounds. Like, we were, you know, two-tenths, you know, out on the main strip, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we, we we worked our way up from, you know, the outskirts to the tent, you know, right on the borderline to, you know, uh, you know third and fourth stages um, until we came back and we were able to headline, you know, with – it was The Roots and Bruce Springsteen co-headlining. That's dope. You know? Um, but, yeah, that was over, you know what I'm saying, many years. And it's like um, – Ross Gilda isn't the like we've done that around the world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just because we've been able to keep up appearances, so um, yeah, you know, I've, uh, I guess we just paid our dues, you know, we paid our dues, and um, yeah, and then w- once we got, you know, we got into late night and we started doing that thing, it definitely represented a change in our career where we haven't been able to tour in that same way. So um, yeah, everything that we had done up until that point, um, it, it's just been a blessing. And this is the sort of thing where we we probably had taken it for granted and thought mm-hmm. we'd be able to do it forever, but you know here we are. Mm-hmm. And now, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just more of a blessing and just a greater opportunity when we do get to to go out and and, and still touch the fans in that way. Now, now, when you decided to write about the uh, the altercation 
you had with Questlove yeah. back in the, back in the 90s. Did you have to ask him if you could speak on that? No, I didn't have to ask him okay. um, because he he written about it in, in, in one of his books gotcha, before. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it's the sort of thing that, you know, like that's my brother. So, I mean, I know mm-hmm. if it's good or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also, that's a, it's like, to me, those are the best relationships. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. You, can have, if you can fight yeah. and then get over it. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, that's absolutely. Family. And, you know, um, it really takes... It takes some. It takes love for somebody to be to to get you that upset, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Only my my loved ones have ever really been able to get me that riled mm-hmm. up, right? Um, so it's it's this there's something in that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I was I, we we were all kids at that point. Yeah. You know, now now I'm an adult, so I would I would I would have dealt with that situation in a completely different way. How long did y'all not speak? Um, I mean, we lived together. Maybe we didn't speak for the train ride home, but it's like, <laughs> you know, once we got back to the you flat, had to talk. Yeah, we had like, to talk. Right, right, yeah, right. no escaping and, it. And how was that? That had to be uncomfortable, awkward. It was it, like, bro. Yeah, it was, de- it was definitely, you know, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing that um, I would laugh about, you know, almost most immediately. Like, that's just where I come from. You know what I'm saying? You get into a little thing, you know, we settle it, and then it's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with, with, in, in Amir's case, it just wasn't. You know, what I'm saying funny. You're like, nah, that shit it wasn't funny. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were able to, you know, uh, obviously move past it. And um, I think, yeah, we we're, we're stronger for it. Mm-hmm. People ask me about, you know, how we remained together and worked together, and you know, been business partners on so many different levels for such a long time. And I think um, it's because we got shit like that out of the way, you know, like early on, and mm-hmm. we we're able to, you know, just focus on. The, the art in, in the business, you know, for, for many years. Chapter 12, uh, doing the work. Yeah. What kind of work do we need to do to find out who we really are? Like, what worked for, for Black Thought? Um, I think, you know, it's uh, it's confronting. It's confronting, um, you know, our demons, you know, head on. And if this, like I said, this is, this represents the, the beginning of me, you know, doing, doing a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, there's still, you know, very, very far more to go. Was it therapy? Was it? Um, yeah, that's part of it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, definitely. Uh, you know, couples therapy, uh, you know, therapy, you know, for myself, therapy for my children, mm-hmm. you know. Um, these are the sort of things, these are the sort of tools that um are at our disposal to embrace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh when it's good, it's great, you know what I'm saying? So I try to utilize all that. Oh yeah, I'm a big proponent of therapy. Absolutely. Is now, there anything you, you left uh, out? Med- meditation, meditation, oh, is meditation. Huge. Yes. Yeah, meditation is huge. How did you learn how to meditate? And the reason I say that is a lot of people don't know how, and they try, yeah. they close their eyes, and they can't get to that place. Just, just over time, mm-hmm. over time, you know, it was something that, um, you know, I started meditating. I started taking, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, to just sit and you know, just be at peace to be silent and just try and, you know, quiet my mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, then I started reading some books, and I got into uh, this guy, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He wrote a book called Becoming Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I got up on his stuff, and he's a unique individual just because of his tone of voice. You know what I mean? The way he leads a meditation, his voice is really, it's just wild. You know what I mean? He sounds like, it's just some, you know, it's like some freak shit, you mm-hmm. know? But, um. Once you're able to like move past that, and you can get over the way his voice sounds, and yep. you you know you're comfortable within yourself, um, you start to you know see and feel results, and then you start to meet people, and it's like yo, it's so like I could feel that there's been a seismic shift in your life, and you ask what they're doing, and it's like oh, I'm doing the same shit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I started to meet people who call themselves put me on 
to the meditations that I was already doing, but they, you know, they may have been further along in the practice, and it gave me, um, you know, hope. It gave me, you know, just that that reassurance that um, once you get over a hump, um, you can hit a stride, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it it really works, man. You got your mantra. You count your beads. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you do whatever you need to do. If it's right. beads, if it's a mantra, if it's you know just sitting in silence, if it's you know if it's related to you know the light or the lack thereof, mm -hmm. whatever you need to do, you just got to do it. I think you know it's something different for everyone else. You know, every individual person, uh, you know, has something specific that they can latch on to to deepen and strengthen their own personal practice. Yeah, it started me. Salute to my good sister Debbie Brown. She got me started on counting the beads. Yeah, chanting my mantra. So now I'm at the point where I can just chant my mantra yeah. and get there. I don't even right. have to count the beads no exactly. more. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's 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 when you hit that. That's that's that transcendental. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, could you be Black Thought without being from Philly? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you know so much of 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 who I am. Um, you know, so much of my identity uh, is is associated with my my Philadelphianness. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it's the sort of place that uh, uh I, I had to grow up. You know, Black Thought, I couldn't I couldn't have been Black Thought if I haven't hadn't been working, you know, as long as I have. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I I got a job in second grade. That was a you know that was a, a very Philadelphian thing, right? Yeah. So I don't think um I don't think the balance of you know the love, but that tough love. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to receive that you know from uh, any other community. And the name the name Black Thought. Yeah, where, where, where exactly did that derive from? It it uh, it derived from um, you know the, my 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 time as a visual artist, and uh, you know just dealing with paints and mm -hmm. you know just the color palette. Um, I realized that you know so much more went into um, you know arriving at the color black. You know what I mean? Uh, than than one would think. There's mm -hmm. so many different nuances and colors, other colors that go into you know arriving at the color black. So that's sort of what it what it began as, um, and over time, um, it's it's evolved into something you know that has taken far far greater meaning, you know, both I guess to me and and to you know to you know people who who support me. So, um, yeah, at the time, I didn't think it, you know I wasn't thinking of black thought as the concept mm -hmm. of a people. You know what I'm saying, um, but that's sort of what it what it's come to mean. Absolutely, yeah. I want to ask, and I know it's, it's it's a question that people ask all the time. What's your what's your thought process on artists now and music now? The reason I ask is, you know, growing up there was so many outlets for different types of music, right? You would hear Tribe on the radio, you yeah. would hear Most Def on the radio, you would hear Kanye, you would hear uh, The Roots, you would hear yeah. Common, but you would hear your J, you would hear your Cube, you would hear the, the different elements of music. Yeah. I don't think you hear that now. Do you think that side is not being represented, or just musicians are not being heard? I think I think it's being. I think that side. I think the diversity of it all is is being represented. But um, I don't think that platform is is radio. You know what I mean. I so agree. I think it's being represented. You know, just uh, across different platforms, and it's about tapping into those. Uh, you know, I think there are more outlets, more avenues now than ever mm -hmm. for um, an artist to sort of emerge. Um, without being taken advantage of, without having to sell their soul, without having to compromise as much as we did, um, you know, like for the deal, for the bag, for the exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's it's just about you know tapping into those into those avenues. But yeah, I think there's more there's more space now, you know, in the in the culture like the hip hop landscape uh, for for the uh, the just a broad range of of influences to coexist. I think like more so now um, than ever. Mm -hmm. 
you know. So um, yeah, I don't think. It was, I mean, I, now I don't love all, all the music that all the hip hop music that comes out, but mm-hmm. I think you know I like that. That's it, it's all good, right? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll allow it, you know. I, and I think back, like when have I ever really rocked with every single thing? You know Never. what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think it just gave an artist a chance to be a, a little a little more commercial, right? I, I just remember yeah. as a kid or e- even an adult, you you grow up listening to radio. Think about it. You would hear Public Enemy on the radio. Yeah. You would hear Tribe really on the radio. Really just in mix shows. But you would hear NWA. Yeah. No, it wasn't they, like it was in regular nah, rotation. No, Public Enemy was in, in rotation. Yeah. Common was in rotation. Yeah. I don't remember them times. Tribe Called Quest was definitely in rotation. So you would hear those type of music, but you would hear your hoves. You would hear your Nas. You would hear right. your Biggie. You would hear DMX. It just was an element that I don't necessarily know if it, if it's, you know, if if it's transcended now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's, you know, yeah, the um, yeah, the culture is it's not represented in that way anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, definitely not not on radio. Even this conversation is always interesting to me because we act like over the last 12, 13 years, all the all the top guys ain't on on ain't on that hardcore rah rah shit. Right, right. They yeah. not the Drakes, the Kendricks, the yeah. Coles. Like you yeah, know, you had yeah. Chance in there. You had the Wale's, <laughs> the Big Shot. They not yeah. even on that rah rah yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it's just like when people talk about how bad the culture is. I'm, right. Like, right, I'm like, who right. y'all paying attention to? Yeah, it's it's, it's just different. It's, def- it's, it's different, you know what I mean, whether you think it's bad or, or, or not. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, man, Black Thoughts book, man. That's right. The yeah. Upcycled Self. The Upcycled, upcycled Self. self. Yes, yes, yes. We appreciate you for joining us. And what do you want people to get out of this book? If they if they can get one thing out of it, what do you want them to get out of this book? Um, you know, if, if, if one person is able to see themselves and, you know, better understand themselves or better understand, you know, their path, their their lived experience, if this is gonna be, you know, an entree into someone else being able to start to work through their stuff and, you know, shed some of those layers of, of armor that are no longer useful. You know what I mean? Um, those layers of, of callus and, and, and scar tissue, then uh yeah, then it's 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 a win. And I've already, you know, experienced that, you know. I've already had some of those conversations, so I, I feel this book has already been helpful. All right, and y'all didn't get nominated for a Grammy this year, did you? I did. I got he nominated Black for Thought a Grammy a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah congratulations, Black Thought. Oh, the album. Yeah, I, no, acapella, Acap- not even with a beat. Wow, just, just the voice. Okay. Love it. Bars. Wow. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, love, love letter to hip hop. Yeah. How how did that feel? Um, it feels awesome. It feels okay. it, it felt awesome. And it's I your didn't first even, solo. Yeah, okay. like I, in that moment, I didn't really realize it until you know my homie started telling me like, yeah, you know, it was wild. Like this is you know your first. Grammy nomination, you know what I mean? Like outside of the roots. Mm-hmm. And then um another homie hit me and was like, yo, it'd be wild if you win this joint. Like, that's the flex. You ain't even need music, you know? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, and I started to, yeah, I sat with it like, all right, yeah, yeah. You wrote yeah, some yeah. bars for that just to get just because I'm yeah, 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 yes sir, yes sir. Do you still do you, I don't want to say need it, but do you do you like that type of validation? I do. I do. I I, I still appreciate that that mm-hmm. that sort of validation. You know what I mean? Um, that's not you know what I do it for, mm-hmm. but um, it definitely uh, yeah. I mean, it it feels it's, it's it's great to be recognized. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Well, it's Black Thought. We appreciate you pick up his book, The Upcycled Self, and it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.